Welcome all to the Swim Dudes podcast, where Liam and I talk about everything circulating the swimming world with special guests. This podcast is available to stream on Spotify, iTunes, and is now found on Google+. Make sure you go check us out on Instagram at the Swim Dudes for more content. Hope you enjoy. The United States try to hang out a second. They should get the silver medal. Australia is in bronze territory right now, but Lezak is closing a little bit on Bernard. Can the veteran chase him down and pull off a shocker here? Well, there's no doubt that he's tightening up. Bernard is losing to ground. Here comes Lezak. Unbelievable at the end. He's done it. The U.S. has done it. Welcome to the Swim Dudes podcast with Liam and Seth. Today we welcome, uh, is it Zane Grothy or Zane Groth? Zane Grothy. Zane Grothy, awesome. Um, NCAA All-American, Auburn University alum, U.S. national teamer, member of D.C. Trident. Um, Zane, it is so awesome to have you yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> I love right, that, adding that new ISL title. Yeah. Uh, that's a big thing. I love that. Forks up. Yeah, forks up. So, you know, big topic right now with everything. And, you know, in Michigan right now, they're kind of upping the restrictions again, which is – it sucks, but, you know, that's what we got to do. But what is life looking like for you right now considering all of the changes? Uh, well, Indiana's doing pretty good. Um, we've actually gone down the list of states. Um, not that our cases are going down, but uh, a few states have passed us. But Indiana's <coughs> doing pretty good, and we're proceeding with uh, typical – um, phase opening stuff, but not going backwards. So that's good. Um, when everything closed back at the beginning of March, um, everything closed, you know, everything was, sh- everyone was shut out of pools and it's kind of, kind of do your own thing. Um, I was originally at the Olympic training center and every day was, you know, obviously different news. Ray, you know, Ray called me. It was like, Hey, you know, they're, they're probably going to close everything. You should probably stay up there. The next day calls me, he goes, they're closing everything. Don't come back, stay there and train. And then I call Ray the next day. I'm like, they closed us. They're kicking us out. I'm coming back. I'm in the same boat now as everyone else. Um, that was uh, March, like 17th, 18th. Yeah. Um, so after that, I just kind of sat on my butt for, I don't know, two or three weeks. And uh, I, know, I know from my background, from my past experiences with taking a break, and just knowing my body and my genetics that uh, taking three or four weeks off doing absolutely nothing really doesn't put me too far deep of a hole. Um, I can actually climb back out of it pretty well. And even now, like the, the older I get and the more I stay on it with my training, probably the longer I can take a break and the quicker I can come back from it. Um, so that was nice. So yeah, it was at least two or three weeks where I didn't really do much. I tried, tried running. <laughs> um, I tried building up. I was like, man, I got a great aerobic base. I can do, I can do this. I can do this. But my body is not designed to <laughs> run. My entire life I've been a swimmer, and everything has been developed for swimming. And uh, just tendonitis in my knees and just my hips, and it was just, it was hard. I tried. I gave it my best. Um, but I figured uh, more swimming movements would be better. Um, I don't know if you can see. I've got a big long board here um, that's kind of made its rounds on the internet. Um, I made a, a little swim trainer um, out of just a couple pieces of wood, some pulleys, and some uh, rope, and yeah. uh, some five-gallon buckets, and uh, hung it off my back porch, and worked on that every day. Um, not too much. It was a one-to-one ratio, so it was pretty tough. I had to do not only the decentering movement, but the eccentric movement, too. Um, so it was tough, but, you know, it, it made me feel better that I was doing something. 
Um, it was about six weeks into being out of the water when one of the coaches uh, messaged our group of pros and was like, hey, there's a big pond with buoys <laughs> out behind my house, and I see people swimming in it, so I'm going to look into it. And lo and behold, the guy who owned the property uh, is, as a guy who competes in triathlons was like, yeah, I train out here whenever I can. And, you know, they, they made a deal and we were able to hop in the pond. Um, at the time, at the end of April, the water was in the high 50s. Um, so we put wetsuits on, but even still, like if you could make it anywhere between 45 minutes and an hour, then you were doing good. I'd have yeah. to drive home still in my wetsuit shivering and just go stand <laughs> in a hot shower for like 20 minutes to get warmed up but part of me was like really like kind of at home and having fun I was you know I was out in nature you know it's kind of dirty it's not the, it's not the biggest body of water but you know I was out in nature and I was doing just kind of open water there was no times involved you know there's no like harping on technique or anything like that it was just get in and move the body and it was kind of nice yeah. you know so I stuck with that once a day for about another four to six weeks I'd say and then we started having more opportunities um Ray uh was walking around in with his wife up in Martinsville Indiana which is about halfway between Bloomington and Indianapolis um they got they've got a house up there and they were walking around town and found a city park that had a pool and not just like a splash pad kind of pool, but like six lanes, 25 yards, three and a half feet deep all the way around. And Ray, Ray gets on the phone with city council and they connect him to Parks and Rec and they're like, yeah, like it's pretty much ready to go. We don't usually open it till 4th of July, but if you guys can get lifeguards, like, yeah, it's all yours. You know, it was like, how did we just found this? Um, so for about a month now, we've been... Uh, maybe a little more than a month now. We've been driving half hour north to Martinsville and hopping in a 25-yard pool, and we are, we're getting swimming in. There's uh, there were lane line hooks. There's lines on the bottom. There were no no spots for flags, um, but you. the pool is also it's connected to like slides and like playground stuff on either side. Yeah. So it kind of <laughs> makes sense that there's no place to put to put flags in or no plan to even have flags. Um, but we, we, we put some, we put up some barrels and tied up poles and strung our own flags and, um, brought our own pace clock on deck and we've been kicking butt with that. And now that restrictions are starting to open up, um, uh, there's obviously limits on group size, but now gyms around town are opening up and normally, you know, as, uh, pros here at IU, we would train in the IU pool and lift in the IU weight room. But all of that is still closed, obviously. Um, so we've been working with a CrossFit gym in town with the guy that we know. And uh, so we've been, we've been doing a little bit of hybrid, you know, weightlifting and CrossFit work, kind of mixing and matching since we're still, you know, at a little bit of a lower volume. But so far we're making it work. And, you know, part of me is like, this is kind of nice, doing a little <laughs> less volume, getting the weights in. And, you know, maybe, maybe we could just keep it like this, you know, from now on. Yeah. So uh, that's where that's I am awesome. now. That, uh, so the makeshift thing that you have behind you, the swimulator, yeah. um, how creative do you have to get with the workout? Like, do you just go constantly for like half hour, 45 minutes, or do you kind of like go at a high intensity interval sort of thing for a little bit and then back off? Yeah, or? you know, I wish I was smart enough to say that I just like mocked it up, threw it out there and started going to town and knew what I was doing. 
but it was definitely a learning process. I made a prototype that kind of hang over, it hung over my railing and, a, and like a neighbor's railing. And it was like, it had like ropes going over PVC. And within like five minutes, I realized that the, the nylon rope and the PVC were both melting because it was just too much friction. So <laughs> I completely scrapped that. And I found out that if I took a board like this and stuck it through my window, kind of perpendicular to the other contraption, and hung it out over the other side that I could put some hooks on it, put some pulleys on it, and turn it into more of like a traditional thing that you'd see. So what's kind of funny is the, the length of my reach from top to bottom is like five feet. And that's like the perfect <laughs> distance between this railing and my window. So, yeah. But when your hands go to your sides, it doesn't go all the way down to your feet. So if you ever see me on it, my legs and my whole lower body are actually hanging through the window into my kitchen. <laughs> and from outside, it just looks like I'm working out. But from the inside, like, you can't really open the fridge unless I like bend my <laughs> knees and get my feet out of the way. So that's kind of an inside story on that. But uh, yeah, so I started, I started working on it with, uh, I would do it for about two minutes straight and then I would take a two minute break and then two minutes on, two minutes off. And I started working with that for like a half hour. And then um, once I got a little bit better at that, I think I did that every day for a week. Um, then I upped it to two minutes on one minute off and I did that for a half hour to up the workload. And then I think I dabbled with two minutes on two minutes off for, um, two sessions of 30 minutes and then went back to eventually upped it to two minutes on one minute off. And it's kind of interesting with, with no guidance with the buckets. Um, if you just pull kind of as a natural frequency, the buckets find that resonance and they'll actually start swinging and bang into the deck and everything. So <laughs> you kind of have to take a brief pause, almost like a one and a half, two second pause in between each pole, which makes it so that you can go a little bit longer. Um, and, and it kind of, kind of replicates more of like, you know, swimming. So you're not just like constantly swimming mm-hmm. butterfly, but uh, you know, you, you stretch it out, take a breath, hit the pole, take a breath, kind of cancel out that swing emotion and uh, it helps you go a little bit longer. So I can actually hit, you know, the half hour mark and everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was kind of my plan and kind of had to learn as I went. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, it's funny that you talk about running. That's been a huge topic of discussion here on our show, at least um, just because for swimmers in such a low impact sport, you know, to go into running uh, a, a good, um, you know, avenue for cardio, it's just tough. You know, not a whole lot of swimmers can actually run. Um, you know, the, the rumors are true that we're, we're fish out of water. What would you say, but beyond that, the, the swimulator um, and kind of trying to keep into that swimming motion, what's like one new thing that you've taken up um, that's kind of more unconventional type workout or have you? Yeah, I definitely have something. Uh, push-ups. Um, I know you can, you can do that in dry land and you can maybe do that in the weight room, but it's kind of funny. Uh, so a buddy of mine, Zach Harding, a good friend of mine, we roomed together like all the international meets and stuff and DC Trident and stuff. Um, he tweeted one day that he was going to do 100 push-ups every day for two weeks and to hold himself accountable, he was going to tweet his times. And oh, okay. he did that on a Monday. And the next day I saw that and was like, oh, cool. Like I tweeted at him. I was like, I'm going to join you. So that Tuesday I did my 100 push-ups. And then the next day without swim practice, without lifting or anything, I hopped in the car and I drove to Texas. Um, 15 hours down to Texas to visit my sister and my nieces oh, okay. and nephews and everything. And by the time I got down there, I'm like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to struggle through hundred pushups, you know, hanging out with, you know, the kids and everything. So that week went by, I drove back and um, I felt really guilty about kind of quitting on it. So the yeah. next week, 
Monday, I started on it again. And I, I wasn't really tweeting my times, but I got through two weeks and I was like, hey, like I've made significant like drops in my times and my swimming competitiveness was starting to come out. And I was like, what if I, like, it's not like super struggle now to do a hundred pushups. What if I kept going with this? How fast could I get? You know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to set a goal, try and break three minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, a few weeks, a few, a couple more weeks would go by and I just made it part of my routine. You know, I'm sitting on the couch watching TV and my trigger, it would be when it's time to eat dinner. Like, oh, it's time to eat dinner before I fill my belly, we grab some water, you know, and hit the pushups. Ah, smart. And so, yeah. So today was day 85. Oh, uh, my. my goal is to, to do a hundred days to hit 10,000 pushups. That's crazy. A um, hundred days is 14 weeks and two days. So I've got two more weeks and then plus two days. And each, as I said, like every couple of weeks, it's like, can I, can I hit three minutes? And then I hit it and I keep getting better. I'm like, okay, can I hit 2.30? And I keep going, I keep going. Can I hit two minutes? Mm -hmm. And every day, every day I hold myself accountable to a pace. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do, 10 every like I started with 10 every 30 seconds and you know recently I've been doing like 10 every 15 seconds and yeah. stuff like that and I would hold myself accountable to take those breaks you know e even though it was early and I would take it but I'll tell you this just yesterday on Sunday was the first time I ever was like you know usually Sundays are my fastest because I don't have training those days mm -hmm. and I went I really went for it I didn't I didn't pace it out I just really went for it I went 139 I did a hundred push-ups in 99 seconds and it blew my mind. I was like, you know, that was going to be my goal for day 100, <laughs> but I still got two more weeks and I just <laughs> smashed it, you know, to, to think that the first time I ever did it took me over five minutes, you know, yeah. and I was like, man, I'm going to be sore. My joints are going to be hurting. And now like, it's almost nonstop. I did the first 60 straight in under 50 seconds. And, you know, there's a couple shakeouts here and there and then repping out sets of 10 until I finish. Um, stop the clock. You know, I started and stop it myself, but uh, keeping it consistent. But I hit 139. So I guess, I guess the new goal would be by day 100, try and do 100 straight without stopping. That's crazy. So um, yeah, so I got a couple more weeks of that. And um, to be honest, I've always noticed when my pecs are strong, uh -huh. my freestyle is strong. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed it, uh, especially doing like bench press. Um, oh. when I, when I, you know, I start getting back into bench press after a break or something, when it, when it gets strong, my freestyle feels strong. So, you know, I guess, you know, I could consider pushups part of that and, yeah. uh, so far so good. My freestyle has felt great. It's funny you say that because, um, as soon as quarantine hit myself, Liam, um, and another one of our friends lived in the same house, um, just off campus. And so, um, a couple of us, we tend to, we, we had a little bit of a sailor's mouth. Um, you know, this is a kid's show, but so we decided every time, you know, we, we lost our tongue, we swore that we'd do 10 push-ups, And so it just became that accountability thing. And then, you know, push-ups just get easier and easier and easier after that. Um, but it's, it's like the same thing. And then we, we actually brought in a, a bench press into our living room because we couldn't really go to a gym. We didn't have a, a, a garage that was good enough. So we transferred over from the push-ups to now doing like reps of 175 or 185. And it just kind of made, it, it made its way into that. But I love that idea. Honestly, I think I'm going to try it. Liam, you should too. But 
Yeah. Unconventional. Yes. Great answer to the question. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've actually had a lot of fun with it. And what's funny is like holding yourself accountable. Some, you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I know I've, I have done, I've done it every day for 85 days now, but there are some times where like I'll wake up in the middle of the night at three in the morning and like, I forgot to do my pushups and oh, I'm no. like, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep if I don't do it. So I'll do yeah. it at, like three in the morning or like, Sometimes like on a Saturday, I'll like go out to the bars, you know, and I'll, you know, um, and get some drinks. And then it like, it was actually just last weekend. I uh, went to a, went to the bar that was open or social distancing, got back two in the morning. I'm like, oh no, I'm not <laughs> feeling too hot. And I still have to do my pushups. Yep. And I just like rip my shirt off. I'm like, oh great. Here we go. Let's I'm going to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. I've got to do it for a hundred days. I got to do it. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of been fun, but uh um, definitely, you know, obviously I do my best when I'm prepared. Absolutely. The best way I can describe, like, the mentality that swimmers have just being so competitive is, like, tenacious. Yeah. You yeah. like, these push-ups with, uh, um, what, Peloton. Like, mm-hmm. everybody yeah. is doing that Peloton thing now, and everybody's just trying to find something that's time-oriented that they can beat. And yeah. it's funny because I don't know many swimmers who are, like, actually trying to run and get better at running. <laughs> trying to find other things to do. No one. I'd say the the I'd say the majority of swimmers, if they make it to the collegiate level or further, almost all of them, it's like competitiveness is part of their identity. Yeah. You know, and it's just if they can find someone to compete at, they will. Yeah. Fun fact. So one of the, I just did I just did some research, and from 2015, it looks like this guy named Isaiah S completed 100 full push-ups in one minute. 22.74 seconds. Oh, there so, we go. There's got to be a Guinness World Record. That was wow. from 2015. So that was five years ago. We'll have to, I'll have to take a look at uh, technique because, um, you know, everyone does their push-ups a little different. Where are your mm-hmm. elbows? Where are your hands? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And, uh, for, me, for me, a push-up is, you know, regardless where my hands are, regardless where my elbows are, I, I, you know, you bring yourself down, your elbows hit 90 degrees, and you push yourself back up. And uh, that, for me, is a push-up. And uh, so that's my technique. Gotcha. I like that. There's a video right here, so I'm kind of interested to see. <laughs> yeah. Check that out. I'll send it to you guys. So, Zane, you've definitely taken a, a different um, path than most swimmers have. Um, just f- give us, like, a good um, – just a kind of a short story and a little summary of where you're coming from um, in your swimming career, um, where you started – where you're at right now just for people who are listening because i don't think a whole lot of people understand um what you went through and where you are now sure yeah so the biggest thing you gotta know about me is i'm definitely a late bloomer um you know even though i've kind of switched programs from college into pro um and that was a big a big help with why i'm a lot faster now um i was definitely a late bloomer um uh, well, I'm originally from Southern Nevada, started swimming on the same, I'm swimming on the same club team, you know, um, fun fact, Cody Miller and I are the same age, and we've known each other since we were like seven or eight years old, and we were on rival club teams, but mm. since Cody and I had similar goals, you know, with juniors, nationals, Olympic trials, and, you know, beyond, since we had similar goals, we actually got to be pretty good friends, um, but my, my, the training I did in high school was very, very um, conditioning-based. Um, lots of short interval stuff, lots of uh, high volume for, you know, a club team. Uh, my coach's philosophy there was, you know, get a scholarship, keep it, earn it, and, you know, peak in college. And I love that. Um, so 
I got recruited by Auburn. They were the number one school in the country at the time, but they were known for the sprinters, obviously. And, you know, I figured I'm going to come in and make the team more well-rounded and everything's going to be, you know, hunky-dory. Um, by my sophomore year, I was the highest point scorer on the team. And obviously Auburn has kind of slipped from its, its days, you know, in the 2000s and everything. But um, I, found, I found a pretty good rhythm through college with the coach that I had. He was new my freshman year. And uh, Frank and I worked really well together through the first three years. Um, he got a new job at FSU uh, my junior year. And I did look into transferring because I figured, you know, without Frank there, I'm, still, I'm still at a sprint program. I'm going to be lost. But I was three quarters of the way through an aerospace engineering degree and transferring those credits and, you know, really making a degree count was going to be next to impossible. So my next best option was stick it out, graduate, and then follow Frank to FSU. Um, Cause I really had a lot of faith in Frank. Um, so I did that when I got down there. Um, Frank's first year, which was my senior year, his first year at FSU, they broke almost every record on the book because he was training them the way he was training me, you know, kind of more of a, more of a higher volume, good intensity. But what's funny is by the time I got there, since he was the head coach, he wanted sprinters and he wanted to develop more of what made Auburn successful in years past. Mm -hmm. So now that program started to look like a sprinters program and it was right back to the, the position I was in. And at the time, you know, only being 22, I was like, you know, Frank knows what he's doing and I'm going to stick with it. And I tapered three times and each time was getting worse and worse. And as I was going through that year, I kept, you know, there was a little doubt in my head, like, you know, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. But when you get to such a high level and you have so much faith in your coach, if you're not going fast, you begin to doubt yourself, you know? So I was <clears> in that point. I was like, you know, I always wanted to be an Olympian, but maybe that's just not my destiny. You know, I'm yeah. six foot three, but I'm like, I'm like under 160 pounds. I'm just so light. I'm just not very strong. I said, maybe, maybe it's just not going to happen. Um, I hit my lowest point in March of 2015. I swam a mile um, and I got lapped on a 1650. I got lapped and I was shaved and tapered. And I got out of the water, walked over my bag, still soaking wet. And I texted Frank, I said, I'm done. And I wasn't sure really to the extent of what that meant, but I went home that night um, and I just, I, I went back to my hotel and just kind of laid in bed staring at the ceiling all night trying to convince myself that this is how I was going to end my career, mm -hmm. you know, being lapped a mile. I was so, it was actually so bad that I checked out, wasn't even looking at the counter and I flipped at the 1650 mark. First time I'd ever even done that. And I was like, is this how I'm going to end my career with a swim like that? And, uh, I woke up the next morning, you know, all, well, all through the night, that 1% was like, you can, you can do better than this. You know, by the time yeah. I woke up in center, I was, I was like, I, I have to try again because that little doubt that I had throughout the year that maybe I wasn't doing the right training finally grew and that's what kicked me in the butt to get out of bed and was like you got to try again you got to try something else you're not getting any money from funding you don't have sponsors you don't get any you don't get prize money you're not on any teams you're not, you're not even on the national team I was like you have nothing to, nothing to lose you know so I called mom and dad and I was like hey thanks for paying for paying all my bills I want to I want to give it one more go I really want to be true to myself I want to mm -hmm. go find a program that I think will fit best I told him I said give me one more summer we'll see what happens um so I called Cody I was like, Cody, dude, you're on the national team. You're at Pampax. You're, you know, you, uh, you're a national champion. Like, you know the national team members. You're doing what I want to do again. Help me out. You know, where, where should I go? We looked at all these different programs, and we kind of circled back around to when we were in college. Cody went to IU. I went yep. to Auburn. And all four years, it was kind of funny. Cody's like, what am I doing at Indiana? They're a distance school, and I'm a, a 100 breaststroker. And I'm yeah. like, that's ironic because I'm at a sprint school, and I'm a miler. 
So all four years were like, hey, you come here. No, you come here, you know? And finally I hit that point and I was like, Cody, what about IU? And he was like, you know, I'm not gonna bark up that tree anymore. I was like, Cody, I'm not in school. I got nothing to lose. Like, yeah. what do you think? And he, so he talked to the coaches, coaches talked to me and they're like, yeah, that Zane could, he's definitely got more there. So they said, no problem. Um, so after I signed that 1650, two weeks later, I was living in Bloomington. I packed all my stuff and drove up there and was like, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm convinced this is what's going to help. Yeah. And, you know, part of that is why I'm, uh, you know, successful swimmer. Part of that is why anyone's successful is their drive and belief in their self that, you know, the, that they can do it. And that was still there in me, fortunately. So when I got up here, started training at the high volume, good intensity. And uh, by the end of that summer, I dropped six seconds off my 400. I went from like, uh, um, probably maybe 10th in the country to ninth in the world in that uh, 400. And then kind of from there, uh, it ranked, I actually beat Michael McBroom, who was at World Championships in 2015. So I realized now if I continued on to 2016, I was going to be seated second at Olympic trials. And now I was getting the stipend from the USOC and I could pay my own bills. I could live off that, fortunately. So I was like, okay, I got to give it one more year. We'll see what happens. You know, I walked into Olympic trials thinking, you know, match my time, go best time on, I'm on the team. Dropped three tenths, got fourth. Um, that was a hard blow, but it took me about a month after that when I finally realized I was like, you know, this was supposed to be the end, but you just went another best time. Like you're better now than you've ever been in your life. You know, what if you do that again next year? Yeah. I knew Carter Yeager was retiring and I knew that was probably going to be the end of Connor Dwyer's 400 career. And I was like, huh, let's see. So, you know, next year I win nationals, drop another full second, make the world championship team. And then, you know, pan packs the next year in between that two American records and, you know, world championships 2019. And that's where I'm at now. Just really blossomed. I've gained 15 pounds. And, you know, part of that is because I've, you know, been doing such a higher <laughs> workload and everything. Part of that is just I'm a late bloomer. So, you know, kind of, kind of a, a different journey, but that's where I'm at now. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was just over a year ago, like June of 2019, they announced the rosters for the ISL. So that's kind of the most current um, part of your timeline, you know, having just competed with the ISL before. Um, yeah. What was your experience with that, you know, competing for DC Trident? Uh, being part of DC Trident was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we could, you could kind of look at the rosters on paper you know, Rowdy says that every year when he's uh, commentating for the big meets, he's like, you know, this is how it should have happened on paper, but that's why we swim these races. You know, we can look at the, all the rosters and be like, okay, that's the best team. And that's, you know, the worst team. And this is how every meet's going to go and plan it out on paper, but you got to race the races. And when we got into the meets, as the meets were going and we're watching the scores rack up by the time we're getting to day two and, you know, towards the end of it, we're thinking like, okay, we're not going to win the meet, but we're not going to get last we're not going to let ourselves get last. Yeah. So each meet, we kind of had this, this fun, you know, this was year one. This is what we had to work with each meet. It was kind of don't get last, you know, and we, we sometimes would chant third is first, third is first. Um, <laughs> Cause that was our goal. If we could get third, that was our goal. And we, we were successful. You know, that's how you define success is you set your own goals. Yeah. And our goal was to get that, that third place spot in those meets. And uh, we did it. We did it every meet. Um, we weren't the worst team at every meet. And it was, honestly, it was so much fun. There's a, there's a video clip of Flo Manadu getting out of the pool at the very last meet before, um, 
before uh, it was a meet in DC. And as he's walking back, they flash up the final team scores and it shows that his team won. And there's a huge roar when you see it. But that roar was, he was standing in front of our team and that was us beating um, the New York Breakers by like Mm -hmm. half a point or like two and a half points or something like that. So close after hundreds of Mm -hmm. points. That was us cheering louder than any (laughs) other team. And that, I mean, that just, it's a testament to show like how wholesome and, you know, committed we were to just being the best we could on that team. And, you know, yeah, it was close for the champions, but like, you know, we weren't even close to that. So it's like, we got to, we can't be last. We can't be last. So hitting that was a lot of fun. Um, Individually, swimming short course meters is is awesome. You know, it's, it's, well, it kind of goes hand in hand. Um, Part of me thinks it's awesome. You know, it's fresh, it's new. You get to race a bunch of international people. I know my 400, I think, I think in Italy, when I raced the 400, every single swimmer in the pool was from a different country. And it, that was, you know, That's quite a unique cool. experience. Um, you don't always get that. Um, but on the other hand, my stroke was set up so, my, you know, I trained short course yards. I was able to break those American records in short course yards just because my cadence and everything fits so well with short mm-hmm. course yards. Um, it's like adding one and a half strokes for meters. So it's like you got to go up or down. You got to mix and match. And uh, I, I, I tend to go up another two strokes. So if you ever see me race short course meters, it just, you know, it, it just, I just kind of spin on it. But, you know, I'm undefeated so far in my ISL career in the 400. Uh, proud to say that. And I'm, I honestly, I'm looking forward to the future of it. Thank you. Yeah. That's cool. UC Trident for sure was, I think, the most exciting. Like you guys had your Tridents on the deck. You had the uh, yeah. spacesuits on like social media. Y'all were my favorite account to watch. Oh, like, crazy. That, you know, that was one thing there. we were looking at too. We're like, we got to get our followers, guys. We got to get our followers. We're doing cheers. We're posting photos. And every, the girls are like, this is how, guys, this is how you post on Instagram. And they're like <laughs> checking us and stuff like that. It was, it was a lot of fun meeting a lot of new people. Awesome. So I don't know that they posted the rosters yet. Can you they give haven't. us any insight on how things are looking for this upcoming season? I do know unofficially at this time who's on DC Trident with me. I'm on it. You know, I can uh, make that announcement, but I can't tell you who's on it. Gotcha. Um, I can tell you that there are new people, um, more than I thought there would be. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like, cool, new friends, new teammates, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Um, it's fun trying to help in the recruiting process too. It's like, Hey, you know, I, I raced a 400 IM for the first time in 10 years. Do we have <laughs> enough 400 IMers, Caitlin? Like, do, are you sure? Do we we yeah. could get a third or a fourth to make sure, you know, and stuff like that. I don't want to do that again, but uh, I, I think we're looking strong. And to be honest, like I'm not looking up every swimmer thinking like, are they going to contribute enough points? Are we going to, are we going to be the winning team? I'm more so kind of looking at like, you know, cool, new friends, new teammates, I'm ready for this experience. I'm ready to have some fun. Gotcha. So I know it's really hard to do. Um, if you could think of one of your favorite moments, um, besides the one that you just said, or um, like a favorite thing about the ISL, what would it be? I know that they had like DJs and everything. And for the sport itself, it was amazing. Liam and I have told people multiple times before, literally like our team would just get together on on the weekends and just watch this all go down for like two hours and attempt to do homework never really got done but you know it was so much fun for um it was so much fun for us it was so much fun for people who just 
weren't you know super intertwined with the swimming community it gave them a chance to watch it outside of the olympics every four years so what was your um like one thing you look back on and you're like that this is the reason why yeah you know from the outside looking in like seeing the production value of what they were putting on tv is amazing like i would so, you know, right after the meets, uh, you know, we were hopping on ESPN, we're, lo- we're kind of watching the videos to, you know, I wanted to see how my races looked, mm-hmm. uh, race video and everything. And when it starts and it's like playing everything, you're kind of like, this is a me. This is awesome. You know, so that was, that was really cool to be a part, you know, that like, wow, I look like a stud out there. You know, there's my floating head and, you know, there's some bio about me. So that was really cool. But from a personal experience, you know, it really kind of brought me back to, my high school swimming days. So mm-hmm. every state is a little bit different with how they pick up club teams and high school teams. You know, here in Indiana, almost every high school has their own pool and is kind of separately is their own club team too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's tons of club teams. Even, like, even here in Bloomington, at one point, there were three different club teams. Um, whereas in Southern Nevada with Las Vegas, Henderson, Boulder City, the whole metropolitan area, two million plus people, there was like three club teams, four club teams maybe. And like, I'd say two club teams, like the one Cody was on and when I was on encompassed like 85% of the summers. So it's like giant club teams. But what made it cool is when we would do our high school meets, our whole club teams would break up into all these other little teams and kind of get mixed up and duel against yourselves. And you partner up with like the opponent from club and battle your own teammates and their opponents. And it was kind of a mix and match. And it was kind of the same way with the ISL, you know, everyone's got our own teams, but what you don't see behind the stage is, you know, we're all in the same ready room. We all go to the same meets together, you know, um, the world cup meets, the pro series meets, world championships, stuff like that. We all go to the same meets yeah. and we're all in the same warm up down pool. We're all sitting together back there. Um, we're all training together. We trained for a week in Italy together. So we're all staying in the same hotel um, for the most part. And uh, so it was kind of like, Oh, we're all friends and we're all, you know, United States, this, that, and then we all merge and break up to different teams and then we duel each other. You know, you're racing your friends and you're meeting new people. Like my 400 teammate was from, uh, I think it was from Serbia. It was super cool um, meeting him. So just, it kind of brought me back. I was like, hey, it's like taking all your friends and the teams that you already have, mixing it all up and we're going to race each other now and see who's got mm-hmm. the best guts. So yeah. it brought me back and that was a lot of fun. That's awesome to hear. Um, you know, I, it's been a huge success and I'm really excited to see where it goes this year. So um, we wish the best luck to you. That was pretty much our, uh, the wrap up of our, of our questions that we had. Like I said earlier, we do have a little surprise for you. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to your mind. uh, Don't think too much. Are you ready for this? I'll do my best. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, AM or PM practice. Ooh, PM like to sleep in <laughs> long course or short course short course done so much of it you know broke some records in it keeping it, keeping it <laughs> okay okay now here's the deciding factor short course yards or short course meters Oof. short course yards you know it was funny blake loves short course meters and i hate it and we anytime it comes up we look at each other like don't start don't start <laughs> <laughs> i love oh, it baby, baby. Uh, favorite race to swim favorite race uh 400 you know it's not too not too long not too short kind of in the middle and i love just right strategy for it 
All right. Uh, pancakes or waffles? Oof. Definitely has to be in a mood for either, but I think my go-to would be waffles. Yes. Yes, we love that. We love that. Um, books, movies, or TV shows? Um, I'd say movies. Um, TV shows take too long. And even though I'm a smart guy, I read really slowly. So that's hard <laughs> to do. So, you know, sit down, crank out a movie and move on. Okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. I have two cats and I've always had cats. Interesting. All right. All right. Uh, drive or fly. If it was a, a, a thousand miles, um, you're not crossing any ocean. Um, lately, it's been drive. I've got kind of a new car. I'm having mm -hmm. a lot of fun driving it. And as I mentioned just a month ago, I, I spent 15 hours one way down to Texas and had a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite race to rewatch in history, not the four, three, four free from 2008. Um, favorite of my races or any race? Just any race. In any race. Like to rewatch. YouTube, you look up some swimming thing and it's. Um, if I could find a video of the 2017 NCAA 1650. That was I insane. Mean, it was in Indianapolis and I was there live watching these guys like throw down times that I was, you know, very shortly after going to break, but just watching it, I was on my feet, you're pacing in the stands. Like, I hope everyone realizes how incredible this is. <laughs> if I can find a video of that, I'd probably watch that a lot. Yeah. yeah. How many people were under 1423? There was like four or five of them at that. 14, it was, uh, 23, 14, um, there was three 1422s and one 1423, but all four guys were the fastest four times in history. Yeah. That's crazy. Nuts. Yeah. Well, Zane, that's all we got. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to put you on the spot one more time, and we're going to have you take us out of the podcast. You've got the last word. Awesome. Um, glad to be here. Glad to be part of the swimming family with you guys and you're listening to the swim dudes thanks for coming on, yeah, on man. have a good no one problem, guys. Have a